Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. Today is December 30th, 2021, and you guessed it, we are talking about last night's Dynamite New Year's Smash, the last Dynamite of 2021. This is your last Dynamite Review Show of 2021. We have a whole bunch to get into, as always, so for the final time of this year... Came to AEW to dominate. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. D. All right, you guys, like I said in the intro, we have a whole bunch to get into as always. And you know what? While it's fresh in my mind, I want to jump right into that Brandy Rhodes, Dan Lambert segment, obviously with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as well. But before we get into that and before we just kick this show off, I'm, I'm changing the rules around here. Last week we started with the main event. This week we're starting in the middle of the show. AEW Dynamite Review Show has gone rogue, changing it up going into 2022, you guys. We are changing it up. But like I said, before we get into that, we are going to quickly plug Patreon, which is only a dollar a month. You can go online, www. I don't know why I'm an infomercial saying www. You all know to type. You don't even have to type www. I don't think you've had to type www. Whatever since AOL. Go to patreon.com. Give it a go. Slash the WWE podcast. Or you can just download the Patreon app. We're a dollar a month on there. All these shows, including... An NXT review show, SmackDown, Raw. We've got a whole bunch going on here with some nostalgia. If you subscribe to Patreon, you get that show. We've got rivalries. We've got a news brief. We've got it all here on the WWE Podcast. I'm sure I missed somebody, but all of the co-hosts here are absolutely wonderful. Speaking of all the lovely co-hosts, before I forget, I want to plug Ashley Mann's show podcast on here. Show podcast, podcast show, Kicking Ash. That is Kicking A-S-H. If you guys know Ashley Mann, she's on the show all the time. She is wonderful. Go check out her podcast. I know I love hearing what she has to say, especially about wrestling. So if you guys do too, go check out that podcast. You can also check out another co-host. Well, you know, while I'm at the plugs, like while we're here, you can go check out another co-host on this show, Zach Smith. Although he's not replying to my text messages, you can still check his show out, Random Wrestling. Uh, he does a bunch of just random wrestling podcasts on there, just talking about random pay-per-views and goes down the line. It's it, it and it's a very entertaining show. Zach Smith is a very funny guy. So go check out those two podcasts. But while you're on the WWE podcast, if you're on iTunes, you're like, screw Patreon. I don't want that. But I do want that ad-free thing you got going on. Subscribe. $2.99 a month. All these shows ad-free. You can do that whole thing too. Plus you get some exclusive shows. And isn't that just a deal of a lifetime? 2022, $2.99. Those two don't really match up, but give it a go anyways. And let's get... And like I said, guys, we are going to start in the smack dab middle of the show with the Dan Lambert promo. As usual, he's talking about Cody Rhodes and how much he sucks and how Arn Anderson went from being a horseman to a W-H-O-R-E. I don't know. Can I spell on this show? Can I? Is it, is it still PG if I spell it? 
I just did, so here we are. Uh, and then he starts talking about Brandy Rhodes, who is the first Brandy he knows who isn't a stripper. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. If you didn't watch the segment, it's probably not worth too much of your time. But, um... Enter Brandy Rhodes after, you know, uh, some the, Ethan Page made a terrible joke. He said something like, you know, she considers herself a wrestler. <sighs> that we're going to we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But um, yeah, stripper jokes, you know, slut jokes, all that stuff. N- nothing, nothing creative, nothing new. And then enter Brandy Rhodes, who, you know, comes off cutting, cutting Dan Lambert off just as he's talking about how Cody Rhodes sucks up to Tony Khan and yada, yada, yada. The system is against him, and the system is against the men of the year. She calls him a bargain basement Paul Heyman, or less talented Paul Heyman, which I did like that line. Uh, To which uh, he says that he actually prefers Jim Cornette. And uh, then then he says the sound of her voice wishes he was... I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm not even going to try to say that on the show, guys. I'm not even going to try to say it on the show. They go back and forth. Uh, she asked him when the last time he was beaten up by a woman and he didn't have to pay for it was, and then she says she'll do him a solid and whoop his you-know-what for free. And then Dan claims, Dan claims, Dan Lambert tries to throw hands with Brandy Rhodes, essentially, at this point. He gets held back, Dustin Rhodes comes out, holds Brandy Rhodes back, and, uh, we get a cheap shot on Dustin Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes goes and tries to, like, you know... Dustin, are you okay? Yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, cursing the men of the year and Dan Lambert as they leave the ring. So that was that segment. And um, a lot of controversy online. I saw a lot of people who thought this was really entertaining. Saw a lot of people who were saying anybody who didn't think this was entertaining is oversensitive. I think uh, I saw a lot of people praising Dan Lambert. I I saw a lot of people tearing down Dan Lambert. I saw the same for both Brandy Rhodes what I didn't hear a lot of was kind of like the overarching theme of this. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly. My, my point being is that it's really not hard to get on your little tweeter machine. By the way, if you are on the tweeter machine and you want to follow me, it's at Mimi Burris. But to get on your little tweeter machine and go, oh, it's slut shaming. Oh, you know, just another Dan Lambert promo. Like, or, or, oh, here we go. Have to hear Brandy Rhodes' voice again. Or like, look at Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes. They're just like, it's just, it's so easy to just look at like one little thing and go, mm, that's what this, this is bad because this. This is bad because this. This is bad because this. I think there is a good and bad version of most things. I'm not saying there's a good and bad version of slut shaming or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Don't twist my words here. But this is where this segment failed for me. I thought some of the lines were creative. I, you know, I, maybe not creative. I thought some of the lines were, I thought some of the lines hit. Let me put it that way. Some of the lines were over. The crowd reacted. That's good. That's what we want to hear. However, however, was a lot of this stuff like boilerplate, easy, whatever. Like, ah, Brandy's a stripper. Like, you know, look at the woman. She takes her clothes off for money. Like, ha ha ha. Like, that's so fun. Yeah. But pro wrestling is kind of boilerplate sometimes. And you know what? Like, it's cheap heat. It is cheap heat. I don't think it's acceptable necessarily. Here, let me, this, let me give you a scenario before I try to say what I'm trying to say because I feel like some of this stuff is going to come out wrong and I actually spent like half my day today actually talking about some feminist issue as it is so let, let, let me just like pause for a minute not this totally separate thing but my point being is all right let's go to like peak time NXT we're talking NXT 
your Baileys, your Sasha Banks, your Charlotte Flairs. I'm talking peak time women's division. Um, you know, and and even all the way back into the entrance of like your Io Shirai's. How about your Oscars, your Ember Moons, your Shayna Baszler's? Like, I'm talking about these little peak periods of the women in NXT, particularly. Rhea Ripley is another great one. That's the only time that the main event in NXT, from what I remember, or one of the few times the NX, uh, the main main event in NXT won the demos against AEW, actually, with Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley. So let's take the women's division NXT. And now take Dan Lambert, right? It's a little bit hard. It's a little bit of a stretch, but plop him in NXT at that point. Have him come out and start saying some crap about Becky Lynch. Let's go Becky Lynch. And uh, Becky Lynch comes out and goes back at him about, you know, like, I don't know. He calls Becky Lynch a stripper because her hair is orange. I don't, I don't know. And then he says, you know what, you know, your husband kissed uh, Triple H's, you know what, all the time in NXT. And that's why he is the way he is and yada, yada, yada. And by the way, you're a stripper. I, I don't know. Uh, Becky Lynch comes out and just tears him apart on the microphone, calls him, you know, a bad version of Paul Heyman. I don't know, just like the same kind of stuff, right? I don't know about you guys, to me, that feels a little bit more acceptable and less, like, controversial than it did on Dynamite. And the, and you, you could totally disagree with me on any of this. You can disagree with me on absolutely anything. You could think the earth is flat. If that's you, rock on with your life. I hope you have a good evening. But my point being is that in a company that values its women's division and values women, at least appears, at least appears to be making an effort to value women as much as it values men in the context of what the company is about. I'm not saying that the WWE has, doesn't have its flaws, doesn't have whatever. I'm just saying at this point in NXT, the women were pretty much killing it, right? So I'm trying to think about anything else that was better going on at that time for me than I think like Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley and very few things were, at least at that little period. So you take a place where the women are valued as active competitors, talented female, like talented female performers, not because of their gender one way or another, just because they are talented at what they do. And you try to put in some guy who's like sexist and makes like sexist remarks to try to get heel heat and yada, yada, yada. That doesn't go over as poorly for me as it does here in AEW. And you guys guessed it. I'm going there. You know exactly what I'm going to say. If AEW actually showed some kind of effort in respecting women and trying to have some kind of equality with the female roster, with the men's roster, made more of an effort, right, to show that, oh, yeah, we value women as much as we value men. Even just, like, pretended. Like, I'm not saying you actually have to, right? There are plenty of people out there in the world who have really sick views and you want to get your whatever. I'm not I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. But even just pretended, like, they actually valued women as much as they valued men and their women's division and their men's division equally, if Tony Khan made that effort to just pretend, just pretend, Tony, just pretend, this might go over a little bit better. But because following this, you had your mandatory women's match. Yes, I know it was in a pretty good TBS tournament in this, and it was a pretty good match. I'm just saying you had your mandatory singular women's match in the third hour right after this. That doesn't go over so well does not go over so well. So you can't really get away with calling some woman, you know, a, I'm, you can't see me, this is a podcast, but like I'm doing the little uh, quotes, you know, like a wrestler. Oh, a female wrestler, right? Like you can't really get over with doing those kind of jokes, Ethan Page, when you are proving that that's literally how you feel about women 
by your actions, right? We always say your actions dictate what you believe. So they can, uh, Tony Khan talk about building his women's division and this and that. And yeah, it was cool to see Mercedes Martinez. We're going to talk about that later too. And that's a really big step, I think. But it is clear that the amount of effort given to the women is not the same as the men. You guys have all heard the story a million times. So when that is so, so blatantly obvious, you can't really get away with this misogynistic crap because it doesn't come off like, oh, you're trying to get heel heat or you're making a joke. It literally comes off as like true. That is actually how AEW feels. Dan Lambert is like not speaking anything that isn't wrong in the heads of anybody in the back in AEW because that's what we're being. We are being told not to care about the women's division. How do I know that you guys? What match was announced for Rampage on Friday? And how long has that been going on? What are they even feuding over? What's the story? There is none because it doesn't matter. Name another feud like that that's going on in the men's division. That doesn't at least have a little bit of effort thrown into what the story is. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's Ty Conti, Penelope Ford, Anna Jay, and uh, and the Bunny. I'm not not even going to give whatever that is again on Rampage. We've talked about it enough because there's no story. There's nothing to talk about. So if you had some kind, if you showed as a company that you actually valued women, you could probably get away with this kind of heat stuff. But because you show that you don't, and women's wrestling, period, too, you, you don't really get to get away with this. So th- that's my overall view on it. Um, yeah, there were some little, like, grabby lines. Most of this was all kind of grabby. But, uh, in regards to Cody Rhodes, who's actually what I want to talk about next, because that's supposedly where this is going, right? Because uh, Ethan Page is getting another, another TNT Championship match on Friday. I don't know why Ethan Page is getting that match, not Scorpio Sky. That makes no sense if you think about the rankings uh, and the fact that Ethan Page just had one, but that's not convenient for AEW's booking, so they're not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, is Cody Rhodes, like... Because he's clearly playing into the heel thing. That's why he won the title, right? Uh, I think this whole Cody Rhodes character works a lot better with the title, I actually think. And, you know, we could talk about that for a minute because that's what happened on Rampage. If you guys didn't see, Sammy Guevara lost to Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes got the pinfall, got the victory, is the new TNT champion. And so, yeah, like this character of Cody Rhodes, which I have been critical of, it works a little bit better with the title. The problem is, is when the story is crap... It doesn't work. So it's not necessarily that, oh, Cody Rhodes is like in this weird gray area tweener. That's why it's not working. It's because he's not really telling stories. And everybody he's been in a feud with is like less over after after the fact. Uh, so that's the problem with the Cody Rhodes character right now. If Cody Rhodes wants to be a champion and he wants to be cheered, I understand why he'd go to Dan Lambert and uh, American Top Team and Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky for his first defense. However, it's just going to be weird because I don't know about you guys. If I saw that match, I'd be cheering Ethan Page. Not if I was in the front row, though. I'd want that weight belt. But uh, otherwise, I'd be cheering Ethan Page. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what Cody's thinking. I don't know how this is going to go over. I, I it's, it, it's like a heel versus heel match. And I don't I think that very rarely works. And it takes a lot of effort into the story to have it work. So I, I don't think that this is. I I don't like this is my whole point. I don't like this overall. I don't think I don't think the story is any good and I think that this felt grabby and unnecessary and unworthy and in a company that already tells me every single week that it values women less than men. I just got reminded of it in this segment. So that's all I have to say on this. Let's jump on up to the beginning of the show now and let's talk about the rest of Dynamite because I was really pretty high on this show. There were a couple issues I had. 
Uh, overall, I thought the actual, I thought the first hour was not nearly as good as the second hour, but I did like a lot in the first hour. And you know what? Before we just talk about the whole overall thing, let's just go piece by piece. Let's go match by match, segment by segment, as we do on this show. By the way, if it is your first time over here, WWE Podcast, the Dynamite Review Show, wherever. If it is, if this is your first time joining us, I just want to say welcome from me to you, from me and the rest of the people listening to the show, from all of us. I'd like to say welcome. We're happy to have you. You can follow me on Twitter at Mimi Burris. I don't know what else to say there, but welcome. Because you can't respond, so this isn't like a two-way conversation, but welcome. We're happy to have you here. And Dynamite kicked off with a 10-man tag team match. It was Christian Cage, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and the Lucha Bros, Penta and Ray Phoenix versus FDR, Cash Wheeler, and Dex Harwood. And the Hardy family office, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and Matt Hardy. I didn't even know Matt Hardy was in the match. Wow, I did not. I just... I feel so bad. I was like watching. The, I now I'm now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember Matt Hardy was there. I think I just like really am not a fan of Matt Hardy, guys. I think like everything he does bothers me. He did that delete thing in the corner uh, with Jungle Boy, and I was just so I was like, what do you? It felt like a old legend coming back and doing like their gimmick and like getting over for a hot side. It just felt so forced. I don't. Matt Hardy feels so old news to me I and this new gimmick that he had the way it's being presented isn't working I don't think the actual gimmick itself is bad I just think it's being presented poorly anyways before I like go trash Matt Hardy anymore I thought this match was really fun there was a lot of really fun action uh FTR I feel like are back in form again I really thought they looked awesome here Cash Wheeler in particular like really really on point and from going last week's main event to now just Good performances all around, I thought. And then, really, the story of this match toward the end was, can they get along? Can they coexist? It was Christian Cage, Jurassic Express, and uh, Lucha Bros, Penta and Ray Phoenix, that were having a little bit of a tiffy. A little bit of a tiffy. It started with Penta getting the tag to Luchasaurus, then Christian Cage getting the blind tag to Penta. And there were words exchanged between the two of them because they said, I don't, you know, I didn't tag you, you tagged. There should be a rule where your hands have to touch. There you go. I just solved all coexisting problems in professional wrestling. However, I didn't mind this. I, I really thought that um, uh, the promo later on, or excuse me, the interview later on, that wasn't interrupted by anybody, if I remember correctly, which is a, it's, it's a start for us. By the way, before I, I go down there, before I for, go down there, before I forget, I do want to mention 2022, guys, on this Dynamite Review Show, we're going to start keeping a Dynamite uh, interrupting counter thing. So every time we have an interruption on Dynamite, we are going to add it to the counter. If I ever miss one, tweet me at Mimi Burris and tell me I missed one. We are going to count how many interrupting interview things we have within a year because it is time to hold the good wrestling company accountable for bad storytelling and uh, bad methods of storytelling. Let me put it that way. Anyways, as I was saying, I thought the uh, interview backstage uh, between Ray Phoenix and Jurassic Express and everything, I thought it was really well done with Christian saying, like, you dope, so the reason we lost the match, and you're talking to the champions here, and we have the championship match next week. I'm super excited for that, Jurassic Express versus the uh, Lucha Bros. Just, I mean, you could put the Lucha Bros versus two broomsticks, but instead you're putting, you know, Jungle Boy and the dinosaur man himself, Luchasaurus, against my favorite tag team right now. Next week is going to be incredible so 
no complaints there. But yes, like I said, the story the story of this match was can they coexist? And you know what? My first instinct was, Ugh, can they coexist again? And I just groan really loudly into the microphone. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for any headphone listeners. Yeah, my bad. Um. Anyways, I was like, ugh, right? Are they gonna do this again? But realistically. AEW, I'm, I'm not, I will hold them accountable if they do the can they coexist stuff too much, which we got a little bit of, but the can they coexist stuff too much. However, I, I didn't think it, they, I don't, I don't think this, this show was put together very well. I think I would have mixed a lot of this stuff up uh, either, whether it was the past couple weeks or the past next or the next couple weeks as well, uh, because of the way the repetition of stuff and, and, and similar stuff going on, similar storylines. I just, I think it's better when you have it on separate shows. We're going to get into that later on, obviously. And I'm, I'm referring to the main event particularly, but, uh, I think because we're so, because we watch so much WWE and we're like, Oh my gosh, they do this every, look, every, no tag team gets along. No tag team just gets along besides the Viking Raiders. God bless the Viking Raiders, but no tag team gets along. So we're like, Oh, every storyline is, can they coexist between tag teams? One company should not be held accountable for another company's poor storytelling. And that is where I'm leaving that mic drop. Not really because this microphone is expensive. However, let's... I'm just kidding, actually. This microphone is not that expensive. Here's your sponsorship for the toner microphone. Um, go get one. I think it's pretty good quality, and the thing did not run me too much. Anyways, this match. This match is what we're talking about, the opening match on Dynamite. This is why I need... An Ashley Mann or a Zach Smith or somebody on the show to hold me accountable here. Uh, but I thought, uh, I think, I forget which one. I want to say it's Isaiah Cassidy who does it. When he gets lifted up by Luchasaurus off the hot tag, or usually it's when he's getting hit with a spine buster or something, he does that scream, and it just, it it fills my heart. It fills my little wrestling fan soul every time. I always find that funny. I think it's always well done. Uh, and yeah, I don't maybe because it's not overused yet because we don't see a lot of private party wrestling on Dynamite, but... I, I think just, I just, Private Party is such a joy. They are such a joy to watch wrestle, and they are so talented. So I really did enjoy this match. I thought the in-ring action itself was really awesome. The hot tags were really awesome back and forth with um, Ray Phoenix doing that awesome spinny jump thing out to the outside, and Jungle Boy doing a suicide dive. They didn't really get it at first, but then they got it on the replay. Uh, and then we got some really, really awesome stuff. Uh, excuse me, some really, really awesome hot tags, especially the one to Luchasaurus. Like I mentioned before, Mark Quinn's uh, screaming off that. Uh, I don't even know what it is. He threw him in the air really high, and Mark Quinn screamed really loudly and very high pitched, and I loved it. And uh, Luchasaurus is ridiculously over, so I'm all about that. And um, like I said, this kind of became a can they coexist thing. And we ended up having FTR and Hardy Family Office winning by a pinfall from the big rig. FTR pinning Christian Cage after a little bit of miscommunication with Penta. I think it was Penta. Uh, it's been a, it, it really hasn't even been that long since I watched this match. But yes, that was how this ended. Can they coexist? They could not. And we are having a tag team match next week on Dynamite. The first ever Dynamite of TBS. So yeah, I, I, I don't have... Like, I know I complained a little bit here and there. And I, you know, f***ed out Matt Hardy once again. Once again, guys, poor Matt Hardy gets it too much for me on this show. But um, I, I had a lot of fun watching this, and it sounds like Jacksonville had a re- lot of fun watching this, and it really picked up towards the end, so I was all for this. The problem was, is then we had another trios, or not another, we had a trios match right afterwards. And I think the way that these two went into succession, I just, I was like all fun tag team matched out. Uh, I really didn't care much for this match and I don't think it was for the actual match itself I just think it's the way 
if if full gear told me anything, it's how important it is to put your matches in cer- a certain order and how important it is of the length of each match too. That that doesn't really apply here, but that does apply at full gear. And uh yeah, I, I thought putting these matches back to back was a huge mistake. But um it was still good in ring action and it was nice to see the uh it was nice to see Proud and Powerful right being spotlighted on dynamite once again outside of the inner circle but realistically i think you know and i know that this match was really just for that post-match angle uh with chris jericho coming out oddly enough coming out after uh santana got hit with the ring bell and then chris jericho's music hit and then he came out with floyd and uh tried to beat up 2.0 and uh daniel garcia oh sorry i apologize daniel garcia and 2.0 did get the win by pinfall with a schoolboy handful of tights on uh santana matt lee getting the pinfall on santana and uh and yeah and then we had the post-match beat down and then um eddie kingston tried to help and then 2.0 and daniel garcia ended up hitting santana with the ring bell and right afterwards chris jericho's music came out uh came on and he came out and it was really awkward. Did no one else feel like this was really awkward? Like, I understand the crowd was singing Judas, but, like, there's got to be a time where we sacrifice that a little bit. We have to sacrifice that a little bit, guys, because this was, like, super uncomfortable. It was just Chris Jericho walking around for, like, 20 seconds so he could hear his theme song being sung. And then Eddie Kingston said what we were all thinking, like, turn that off. What What is going on out here? And why did he come out after Santina... Santino... Oh my God, San- Santana got hit with the ring bell. Why was that like an after? The, like, why wouldn't you come out before that happens? Were you just waiting to have your music hit? It, just, it was weird. It was like it was so Chris Jericho, and I have a feeling this whole Eddie Kingston Chris Jericho thing is going to be very Chris Jericho. The only thing I'm looking forward to is Eddie Kingston roasting Chris Jericho on the microphone. I will really enjoy that, and I do like the storyline that oh, like oh, proud and powerful are part of the inner circle, but. Ed, uh, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho don't get along, but Proud and Powerful are close with Eddie Kingston, so where's a little rift in the relationship there? I do like that layer to the story, but I have a feeling, you guys, that, like, I don't know, they're just going to get... Like, Chris Jericho is great, don't get me wrong, and I think he played his role perfectly. I think, especially being the first AEW champion, and I think he did a really good job, like, pioneering the start of AEW and really bringing a big name to the company to get eyes and, and ears and everything on the product. However... I think, little by little, Chris Jericho is kind of just getting too Chris Jericho for me. And uh, and it's time for something new. It's time for a change just to commentary. It's time to see a little bit less of Chris Jericho. I'm, like, getting over the Judas tour. I, like, I get it. It's fun to sing the theme song. I did it, guys. I really enjoyed it. But uh, it, it's moments like these where I'm like, oh, you just love yourself too much. Too mu- That's not true. You just have too big of an ego. Uh, and it And it comes at the expense of other wrestlers and storylines, I feel like. Uh, and this is just a perfect example. This was just weird and awkward, and I was visibly, like, uncomfortable watching. I was like, what is going on? Why are we playing this music, and, and what's, what am I supposed to be looking at? Commentary looked, like, sounded like they couldn't feel the, the, the moment. Like, AEW is so fast-paced that it felt even weirder. We cut from this to that to this really quickly, so we fill those two hours. It is the fastest two hours in television as well. Rampage is the fastest hour in television. I think uh, I think Dynamite is the fastest two hours in television, except when Chris Jericho stands there. So he can oddly hear the crowd sing his song, but actually not pay attention to that. Pretend he's not paying attention to that, but that's really why he's out there, and that's really why the song is still playing. Because he's not out there to save Santana, because Santana already got hit with the ring bell. So... 
That's all for me, guys. Let's move on. Uh, all right, MJF is in the back. He cuts a promo. He says, perhaps another wrestling company might treat him properly. Uh, talking about how Sting threw him over the top rope dangerously, that he's never been trained. Uh, but that's a question for the bidding war of 2024, because as you both know, I don't know who you both are. That makes no sense. As we both know, you and I, listener and podcast host, or just me, maybe you don't know. Maybe this is new information. MJF did sign a new contract with AEW, so he's around till 2024, I guess. Uh, he says Smart Mark Sterling shows uh, shows up, or he calls Smart Mark Sterling to come in and show Wardlow that uh, the terms of the contract say that any title match he might win in regards to the ladder match that he was talking about, the uh, casino ladder match or whatever it's called. I don't, there's so many freaking things. I forget. Some fun gimmick name like New Year's Smash. The New Year's Smash ladder match. That's not what it, that's not what it is. I think it's the casino battle royale ladder match thing. <laughs> I really don't know, you guys. Um, that if Wardlow wins that and wins a title shot, it goes to MJF. And then Wardlow goes out and beats up a really well we had the little interview with christian cage and i don't know why it was a little interview we had the interview with christian cage and jurassic express and the lucha bros but then we had uh the wardlow uh beating up the wardlow that's his new name guys the wardlow we had the match with wardlow and and an old familiar face for me just felt like i i had like this little moment of nostalgia i don't know if anybody else did but colin delaney I haven't seen Colin Delaney since WWE ECW and Tommy Dreamer. And he turns on, I think he turned on Tommy Dreamer or something. I don't know. And then he got the crap beat out of him by like, I want to say it was like Viscera, um, Big Daddy V. I don't, it was a while. That was like, it was like SmackDown versus Raw WWE era. If you guys remember that whole thing. Uh, so it was nice to see Colin Delaney. Funny enough, he didn't have hair this time, and he looked like he put on a little bit of pounds. I'd hope so, because it's been like 20 years. But, uh, yes, Wardlow powerbombs the crap out of him and gets a victory. Sean Spears does his thing. You all know. Uh, by the way, in the promo segment, Sean Spears had a... Um, why am I forgetting the pattern? What the pattern? Burberry. Little, he had like a Burberry steel... It was just... It was wonderful. He had a Burberry steel chair... Um, but yes, you guys have all heard. I think this is great. I think keep it up. I think the only weird thing is, is never mind. I, you know what? Not even going to go there. I, I do really enjoy this. I really enjoy this. And I'm really enjoying Wardlow powerbombing the crap out of people. And Colin Delaney, 20 years, 10 years, however long it's been, still looks great getting the, you know what, beat out of him. So good for you, Colin Delaney. And he was 0-1 already. So he had another match in AEW and I was unaware. I'm not like a Colin Delaney super fan, but if you guys, like, if you don't remember what I'm talking about and you watched at that time, go look up Colin Delaney, WWE ECW. Uh, yeah, if it rings a bell, I, I, I just, I had, I finally had the nostalgia all of you might have felt when you saw Sting. I saw Colin Delaney again, guys. All right, moving on. Adam Cole uh, says he's going to go down as the greatest faction in history with both the Young Bucks and... In the Undisputed Era, he doesn't actually say the Undisputed Era, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly asks to speak to him alone for a minute. They talk about their feud in NXT, kind of. And then, uh, I don't know exactly. I, I, I tuned out. I, I just, I, Kyle O'Reilly started to try to cut a, I don't, Kyle O'Reilly, it was so, I literally wanted to skip it. But when I was hitting the arrow key, it wasn't working. So I was like, oh, I gotta actually sit through this. I feel bad. I feel like Kyler Rise is going to be my new Matt Hardy, guys, but I can't stand to listen to him, like, try to act. 
he's not an actor. Remember when the Young Bucks were like acting early on uh, during right before they turned heel and they were like showing up at Kenny Omega's house or whatever and they were acting. This is like even worse than that. It was even worse than that. And I can't. It was bad in NXT and it's bad in AEW. Uh, and the whole Brandon with the camera thing, it doesn't, I don't know, it's getting old for me. So this didn't do anything for me, really. But it was cool to see all of them together. Um, and the Young Bucks are so much better in this role than they were in that role. But I'm sorry, I don't I don't really, Kyler Riley's acting skills are not for me. Uh, so Dan Lambert's segment, I don't really, we talked about that already. And then when we come back from commercial, we had your quarter hour women's match. However, this women's match was Awesome, I thought. It took a little while to get started. I'll give them that. But towards the end, it all came together. Except for the fact that the actual ending was a little bit clunky. I did enjoy this match. I know I'm like, oh, I really like this, but it was awful. No, I really did enjoy this. And I thought um, Thunder Rosa is explosive. I hope Ruby Soho... I think... Before I go there, I think... uh, I think watching this match, watching Thunder Rosa attack the leg, I thought... I think. A lot of people are going to say that this was Jade Cargill's best match. I disagree with that. Uh, I, I know that take was was out there, but I think her match against Red Velvet, her first one, actually. The second one was good, too, but I really liked her first one. I thought that was my uh, favorite match, actually, of her performance-wise, because I know Red Velvet had a couple botches in there. But um, this overall, I, you know, it was thought like, oh, Thunder Rosa would bring the best match out of Jade Cargill. And I'll say Jade Cargill was much more explosive than I ever thought she could be. And I and I found myself, like, looking forward to the Jade Cargill babyface turn. Looking forward to having her just turn on Mark Sterling. And uh, and then I wanted to have Serena Deeb versus Jade Cargill. And I wanted Serena Deeb to go after the leg. Because watching Thunder Rosa do it, all I could think of was, like, give me Deeb. And give me Deeb attacking that leg. Because it would be so good it would be such a good match heel serena d versus babyface jade cargill i just got very excited for it but nonetheless uh jade cargill did win because mercedes martinez although all masked up came in i thought it was um jamie hater at first attacked thunder rosa i thought it would have been better if it was jamie hater actually but we'll get into that uh like smashed a bottle against her head or something knocked her out jade cargill was able to hit jaded then miraculously you guys thunder rosa recovered from being knocked out and uh if you ask mercedes martinez she can tell you that it actually it it takes way longer than that to recover from being knocked out but um you know she's experienced but like popped up miraculously from being knocked out and attacked jade cargill mercedes martinez came back attacked her they beat her down they mercedes martinez did the review 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 i'm doing the review she did the reveal I don't know why I'm doing hand motions. I know you can't see that, but I'm doing I'm doing like a like a like a opening hand, I don't whatever. She did the reveal. And uh, the crowd really didn't make a lot of noise because Mercedes Martinez admittedly doesn't have a lot of like she's a she's got great fundamentals. She's a great professional wrestler. She's awesome in the ring. I think she's I the minute she was released, I was on the show. Go back, check the record. Check the books. I was saying AEW's women division needs Mercedes Martinez. I think it would be awesome. It would be a really good uh, to teach a lot of those women. It would be a really she would be a really good teacher for a lot of the younger women on just the fundamentals of wrestling because that's really where a lot of those women are lacking. Your Ty Conti's, your Anna Jays, or even your Britt Baker's. It's like the fundamental stuff because the big moves are fine, but it's the way they get there. It's always very clunky. I'm, I'm particularly thinking about Ty Conti here, but. Um, so I said Mercedes Martinez would be an awesome addition. That's the word I was looking for. Addition to this women's roster. However, I think this was not a great way to debut her. 
I just think they should have debuted her in a different way, like even in just in a match or something, and had her be like an assassin, uh, like I wanted for Bobby Fisher a while ago. They went with this, and I, I just they 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 overestimated how well known they thought. I don't know if they thought like she was gonna get the Ruby Soho pop. I don't know what their thought process was, but I don't think this worked. I think it would have been better if Jamie Hader did it, or even better if Britt Baker did it, and we start to tease the feud between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker in 2022. Tell me I'm wrong, because I know you all would have went, <gasps> if it was Britt Baker, like, oh my god, so exciting, we might get that match. And then, like, just Britt Baker says, no, nah, I'm sorry, uh, rankings actually just changed back, and you have zero wins, zero losses. So you're not even in the rankings, you don't get a title shot. That would have been so good, guys, and they missed the chance. But I'll live. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did like the match for them. I was, it was, it could have been better. It could have been better, I thought, but it was nice to see that Jade Cargill can go, and I, it was cool to see that she had, like, a little explosiveness to her work. That, like, I saw a potential babyface turn there, too. So that was that was exciting. A lot of this, a lot of Dynamite right now and a lot of AEW is, like, looking forward to stuff that is going to come uh, next week. Next week looks awesome. But rather, like, for example, that Thunder Rosa thing. I'm looking forward to Thunder Rosa Britt Baker. Rather than, like, what's actually going on right now. Um, but I am excited to see what Mercedes Martinez is going to do in AEW. I think you strap her up eventually, at least with that TBS title at the very minimum. Uh, I think Mercedes Martinez is super underrated, and uh, my last memory of her is getting kicked in the head by Zia Lee and then released, so WWE is a great company, but um, I think she has the ability, she's, she has the experience, the veteran ability, and the experience to, to help a lot of the women in the back, and so at the very least, right, if she doesn't for some reason get over in-ring-wise, for some reason... It's just not working in AEW. She could be an amazing coach backstage as well. So uh, I'm excited to see what Mercedes Martinez does for sure. She's got a great look about her as well. She has a really good look about her. And so thank God she didn't join Retribution. All right. Last but not least. Not last but not least. CM Punk comes out. (laughs) That's not the last part of the show. We still have our main event. Um, But CM Punk comes out and uh, says that he's never been to Daily Place uh, Daily's Place, excuse me, uh, oh, we get a, sorry, I apologize, we get a, uh, video package hyping up Britt Baker versus Riho, which was nice, um, and then CM Punk comes out, he says he's never been to Daily's Place, and he doesn't know what the setup is, yes, where Jim Ross is, and Jim Ross is like, oh, I'm over here, and he's like, oh, Jim Ross is over there, uh, or someone points it to him, I don't know, and, uh, probably one of the many fans in the arena, but uh, Jim, uh, he basically just puts Jim Ross over, and it was nice. And then he transitions to putting Brody Lee over, and then he transitions to putting MJF somewhere. I, I don't know. He, he, he starts talking about MJF. He starts talking about MJF. More importantly, CM Punk got an, a great haircut. CM Punk looked awesome, I thought. I just, just wanted to throw that out there. But he calls MJF a Twitter troll, and I thought that was such a good thing. That he's, like, he's like a walking, talking Twitter, Twitter troll, and I thought that was so... That was such a good line because we all know if you if you are like a internet wrestling fan, you know how much CM Punk hates his Twitter trolls. He just he hates tw- he hates people online, and uh, so I thought that was really funny. Uh, and he said that he's a bigger waste of money than uh, Tim Tebow, or bigger waste of con money. And as someone who personally thinks football is the most boring sport in the world to watch, don't take a personal offense to that because you are not football. I'm not insulting you. I just don't enjoy watching a sport that you like watching. It's too slow for me. Uh, as someone who's not a football fan, um, I have no idea what this is about. I something about, so I, I did. I tried to do my research, but I think I just was put. I don't know if I just 
did the wrong research. But something about how uh, Tim Tebow, Tim, Tim Tebow, I know who Tim Tebow is, I promise. Tim Tebow got uh, released or cut from the Jaguars and that he was going to be the butt of jokes. I, I, don't, I don't know. So it got a big reaction because we're in Jacksonville. So I, I assume that's exactly why that happened. But... Yeah, so there was Tim Tebow. Um, and then he says that on the mic, in this ring, even on commentary, no one can touch him. Uh, I loved, loved that. And uh, and then really he talks about how MJF is like, you know, pretending that he addresses the fact that MJF is like running away from him and not actually wanting to fight him. And he says that basically like, we're going to put this off for later, but MJF, you're going to be going into the title feud. I'm going to be going into the title feud so we're probably going to cross paths. And in that, like, subtle way, he's like, okay, we're, guys, we're still doing this thing, AEW fans. Like, we are still doing this feud. We're just not doing it yet. Stick around. We still got so much more of MJS and CM Punk to, to go on, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them to come back around to this. And they can do that. Believe it or not, you can do that. Uh, and it's this nice, long-arching, slow-burn storytelling because they really went hot and heavy for a little while, those two guys with the promos back and forth and all that stuff. And I feel like it's almost like what more could they go at each other with? And I guarantee there's going to be so, so, so much more. So we're cooling this back down a little bit just to get it hot again later, and, and I'll be excited for it. And I'm also excited to see CM Punk in the title picture. I'm genuinely curious what they're going to do with that. So Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs. Cut a promo backstage. They're talking about Hook. They're talking about the Taz thing we're going to have going on a rampage. That's going to be great. And the one thing I really got out of this, guys, was Will Hobbs said, Will Hobbs said, uh, marinate on that. And I thought, you know, Will Hobbs, if that's your new saying, if like that's going to be your catchphrase, I'll buy a t-shirt that says Will Hobbs and then on the other side says marinate on that. I don't know why. I just, I really like that. Will Hobbs had a really nice cadence about him. Uh, but yes, uh, I talked about the TNT title shot. I talked about a bunch of that Rampage matches. Uh, we had Brian Pillman in the ring being interviewed, kind of. But then he grabs the mic from Tony Schiavone, and he starts talking about the House of Black and stuff. And he starts, I don't know, guys. Guys, I, I feel bad. I feel bad again. I, I think, like, I'm, I, I, like, give all the credit in the world to AEW for putting these guys out. And, you know, they need to go for it. They do. And uh, And, you know, realistically, this wasn't bad. Just like it was talking about like death, and it was very intense. And and Brian Pillman is just like not an actor, uh, and he's not a very good wrestler yet for me, at least. It, my subjective opinion. Again, I'm not insulting you if you're a Brian Pillman Jr. fan. Just uh, not a fan of him particularly. And um, then the lights go black. Malachi Black appears, and then he disappears. So there was that. I'm waiting for Brody King to appear because I think that was rumored to happen. So I think that would be great. And uh, we're going to have Brian Pillman Jr. versus Malachi Black next week. And really, guys, if I don't see uh, Brian Pillman Jr. get his head kicked off again by Malachi Black, I'm going to feel cheated. I'm going to feel cheated. There's something about his face that is so kickable. He's like number two on my list right after Brock Anderson. Give me the rematch, guys. Kick him in the face, Malachi. All right, next up, we had the main event. No, we did not have the main event. We had more TNT. Or not me, more TNT. We had more Rampage stuff, and then we had... Um, we had promos back and forth between Anthony Bowen, Max Kester, and Darby Allen and Sting. The the one thing I got from this, because not everything needs an angle, by the way, guys. You can just have matches sometimes. They don't all have to have this. Like, it's just, everything is too much. Uh, my Chemical Romance looking at it. I thought that was a great line. That was a really good line. 
Thank you for that, Anthony Bowen. That that made me chuckle. Now we had the main event, and it was a trios match. It was the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish versus Orange Cassidy and Best Friends. And you know what, guys? They made their entrance, and immediately, you know what the first thought I had was? Trent Beretta, guys. Trent Beretta looks like a superstar. He looks like a main eventer. I don't know what it is. I think it's that new haircut, and he's the fact that he's freaking shredded now. But Trent Beretta looks far beyond being in the best friends tag team at this point. And I, I'm really curious. What are you? I'm gonna. You know what? Tweet me when I tweet this out. If I remember to tweet this out, this show out. Respond to it. Tell me what. What are you like? What do you guys think? Am I the only one who feels this way about Trent Beretta? And he looked great in this match as well. So we're gonna talk about that. But uh, Adam Cole. The fact that he gets so visually frustrated with Orange Cassidy makes this feud and this whole match so much better throughout the entire thing. And speaking of Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy, there was like Adam Cole hit a super kick to Orange Cassidy while Orange Cassidy was on the apron. And Orange Cassidy's sell to it was so wonderful. It's just He looked like he just died. He just died there on the spot based off that super kick. And it was a really good kick as well. So... And there was a lot of awesome action in this match. Not really awesome was there was like a knee from Kyle O'Reilly off. I, again, guys, I'm going to pick on Kyle O'Reilly. Here we go. There was a knee drop on Trent from Kyle O'Reilly, and it looked like a rough bump for for Trent, especially someone who just got that like uh, commentary said the spinal stuff. I'm sure he's fine, and I'm sure it was safe. It just looked rough. Maybe that's good. Maybe that, that's not even me picking on Kyle. It looked it looked like a tough bump to take, so that probably is good that it looked like it hurt. Uh, Orange Cassidy, awesome hot tag. He hits an awesome crossbody on Kyle O'Reilly, who almost took that crossbody as well as Jamie Hayter does. Uh, lev- uh, like He looks like he levitated into a suicide dive to Bobby Fish on the outside and then goes, gets kicked in the chest by or kicked in the stomach by Adam Cole, but then hits a reverse off the reverse suplex. He hits the stun dog millionaire, and that looked incredible as well. Uh, then awesome double teamwork from Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish in this match. Chuck Taylor does a flip off the stage, and then Trent hits a spear to Adam Cole. It was an awesome near fall off the diving DDT by Cole, uh, by excuse me, by Cassidy to Adam Cole, and it was just Trent and Orange Cassidy in the ring. And I, I swear, I thought that was the end of the match. They had dual pile drivers to Adam Cole from the Best Friends into a beach break for another good near fall, but both Fish and O'Reilly came in to break it up, and. Then we got, oh, again, here I go, here I go, picking an orange. My notes are just like, Kyle O'Reilly sucks. No, that's not actually what my notes say. But um, Kyle O'Reilly was doing these little kicks to Orange Cassidy's face, and after the first one, they all looked really bad. Uh, but he goes for a big boot on Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy moves out of the way. He hits Adam Cole with it, and then Orange Cassidy gets another awesome near fall on Kyle O'Reilly. However, Brandon Cutler comes out, starts running around the ring spraying cold spray. Like like a like a little dweeb or Brandon Kettler is good at what he does, man. This I didn't love this ending with the distraction, but I understand why they did it. But uh, Brandon Cutler is just great at what he does, and and I and I don't feel like we talk about him enough on this podcast. But he comes out, makes the distraction. The young bucks hit super kicks on both uh, Trent and Chuck Taylor, and Bobby Fish hit the suplex kick to the back of the head combo and uh Kyle O'Reilly gets the pinfall for the one two three and then Adam Cole after the match is sitting out on the outside with the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler and stuff and then the Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are in the ring so it's the opposite of last week how we left off Dynamite this time it's Adam Cole with the Young Bucks and I feel like by the way if you have some kind of trigger to divorce or divorce parents this might be your time to 
to turn the podcast off because I'm going to say something about it and I don't want to hurt your feelings or hurt anything in your life that happened to you. But Adam Cole really looks like like the kid whose divorced parents are fighting over him in court. It's like kind of funny the way this, again, this grown man is playing this so well. Last week, obviously, with the Undisputed Era. And now this week with the Young Bucks. And um, I'm excited to see what they do next week now. I like the story being told where, um, I also like the story being told where the Young Bucks were, uh, are going to convince Cole that Kyle and Bobby Fish, uh, only got the victory because the Young Bucks came out really without the Young Bucks that would have lost because Kyler Riley kicked him in the face when we all know it was a clear accident. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what these five guys do with the storytelling and where we go next. If Kenny Omega comes back, when he comes back, where's the title picture and all this? Is Adam Cole going to challenge next year in 2022? I just, where is Adam Cole going to lie when his parents are really fighting over them in the divorce? What's going to be the judge's decision, guys? There is so much going on in this storyline, and, and I'm for it. And I understand why they had to do this finish. It was just a really good match, and it was a little bit of a shame for it to end that way, but I, I get it. I get it for storytelling purposes. I'm just a fan of clean finishes, and um, we don't get enough of that these days. So with all that being said, guys, that was your last Dynamite Review Show of 2021. I'm sitting on the ground for some reason right now, so my butt really hurts. So I'm going to get up and probably go to bed. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful New Year's Eve. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's. I hope you, I hope your 2022 is better than your 2021, whatever that means to you. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of the day you are listening to this. And I will talk to you guys. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time